Welcome to the Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. And now your host, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today we have Lee Johnson, co-founder of Value Investment Partners. Welcome to the show, Lee. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show, and I'd like to just jump right into it. Tell us about how you got your start in real estate and what you're doing these days. Well, I'm going to age myself just a little bit, but uh, I've been in real estate probably since the mid-90s. I grew up in New Jersey, and I would find myself watching those info commercials posted by Carlton Sheets that basically told you, you can purchase uh, real estate with no money down. And, you know, I watched all of his videos and actually my first credit card swipe was uh, ordering his uh, VHS tapes and I watched all of them, but I really didn't get my start into real estate into 2005, 2006, where I had purchased some homes in Wilmington, Delaware, but everybody knows during 2008, 2009, if you got into real estate in the wrong capacity, you probably crashed and burned. Uh, crashed and burned, but got back onto my feet uh, around 2014. After you know traveling abroad for work, I was out of the country for five years. And when we returned, I was flush with money from living as an expat. And I decided to go and start doing some fix and flips. So we did a number of fix and flips. My wife um, got her realtor's license and basically we would flip a house. She would sell the house. But, you know, that's a very good way to approach real estate when you don't have a, a high six figure salary. And we did. So what we learned from that experience is that we paid a significant amount of royalties to Uncle Sam because we learned that um, when you have these short-term investments, they are taxed at your earned income rate versus that capital gains, which is what we had forecasted. So we had to learn there. And eventually we moved into multifamily syndication starting in 2017, 2018. And now we're working on our 24th syndication where uh, three as a GP, 20 as an LP. Uh, so it's been a, a wonderful journey in growing and learning more about this business. Awesome. Yeah. You might've seen me just uh, momentarily duck off screen. I just had to see, do I still have my old Carlton Sheets uh, series of CDs? I think I gave that away at my in-person meetup a few months ago, but he is a, he is a total classic. If you know, those of you out there haven't heard him, definitely go uh, look up a couple of videos. Is he still uh, around? I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. His heyday was the 1990s. So I haven't heard from him uh, recently, but yeah, I mean, I just love to see him work the phone and he'll, he'll actually do actual calls and he'll record that in. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah, what that guy would have been with social media. Oh, he would have, he would have been the Robert Kiyosaki <laughs> with social media. But hey, it was before his time. Right, right. But amazing. And so a lot of deals as an LP too. So uh, do you have any advice for people who want to start out maybe going the LP route? Well, I, I think one of the best ways to get into the syndication business is as an LP, right? And you spread the love across a number of different operators. 
In doing so, you will be able to determine what is a better operator, right? How do they communicate? Are they consistent with their distributions, et cetera, right? I believe over the last couple of years, you know, you could have basically, you just had to have a heartbeat and you would have been able to exit a number of different syndications. You know, there are four cycles inside of the, there are four phases of the real estate cycle. Right. And now we're about to test the metal of a number of operators and see whether or not if they're going to be able to hit the returns that they're forecasting as we go into a recession. I believe we're going to have a recession just because it's going to be very difficult to land a ship. And then we go into our recovery phase. So I believe over the next 12 to 24 months, there's going to be a significant opportunity to find deals. And that's why, you know, I'm underwriting with my team one or two deals a week, just so that we understand the process, et cetera. Yeah, I love it. One of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes is that it's not until the tide goes out that you know who's been swimming naked. <laughs> I love that one. And I could use that one. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, 100% right. People are going to have to be a whole lot more selective, whether you are a passive investor, whether you are investing actively, uh, regardless of where prices go, even if they don't uh, come down significantly in a recession, fewer people are going to have the money to buy. So if you're going to really have to be one of those better people, hopefully have some money on the side. That's what I'm. Well, I, I, I you know, I, and I agree with you to that point, but, you know, I, I, I've been watching some of the data points and I believe in the United States at this point in time, there are about 4.5 million units that are needed to be created in the United States in order yeah. to meet the demand, right? So knowing that in most builders have been building in the single family space, not in the multifamily space, I believe that, you know, it's going to be a great time for multifamily investors in that when, when there's no uh, housing that's available, the option that is going to be available to you is multifamily. I believe that there's going to probably be an enormous opportunity to work with uh, existing assets and renovate those existing assets because it's just going to be so difficult to uh, get permits for new builds. You have land that's going to be expensive. You have costs that are going to be expensive and you also have the government that i believe is going to have to join forces with many in order to be in a position where we can make sure that uh, americans have have affordable housing i believe that that's the um that's the that's the catch-22 that no one is talking about and i believe that that's going to be a problem that's going to rear its head pretty soon yeah i love it you brought up a lot of important aspects of creating new real estate. And uh, I think a lot of things probably need to change to, to get us to where we need to be in building. Yeah, very, very significant. So let's sort of take things up to the present. So now we are experiencing this economic turmoil. We're not uh, yet officially in a recession, although we might be by the time this airs. And we also know that rates have been going up like crazy. Uh, for years, we've had this tailwind of decreasing rates. You could always refinance. Mm -hmm. uh, things were getting better and better every day. So how has this rising interest rate environment impacted the sort of deals that you're looking for or your execution? Well, th there is the, the rising interest rate. And one of the reasons why we named our company Value Investment Partners is the fact that 
we focus on finding value opportunities, right? So, you know, two people can look at the same opportunity. One doesn't see the vision, whereas the other does. Uh, we're working on a deal right now where we're going to assume the loan, right? And that loan has very, uh, a very low rate at this point in time. So there's a long interest only period as well. So one of the things that I've been talking to people about who are looking to acquire something is see if there's an opportunity to assume the debt. And if there is, that might be a way for you to go in. But I think, you know, depending on uh, what range of multifamily you're investing, if you're probably investing at a hundred dollars and below, you can probably get creative with the financing, right? But if you're at a hundred dollars and above, you know, you just have to make sure that the deal pencils out with your, your uh, conservative underwriting to make sure that you can maintain the property. Yeah. Interesting that you're doing a an assumption. That's something that used to be quite rare. I mean, in, in a yeah. uh, declining interest rate environment for obvious reasons, but now that things are going the opposite direction. Wow. And those are not easy, as I understand. A lot of people say, wow, it's really hard to get one of those assumptions to go through. But I think what's changing now is the motivation. People have huge motivation to make that work. Well, and, and also this is an opportunity where, you know, one of the criteria that we use is, is looking for expiring debt, right, as an opportunity to source deals that have to come, right, because in multifamily, all of this works off of the leverage that you put on the asset. And, you know, we, we work on terms of three years, five years, seven years, or 10 years, right? So you can basically put a query together to find people who are 12 months out from uh, an event and, and work with those individuals. But there will be, even in, you know, we're not used to it, but in the 80s, they had 17, 20% interest, right? And at that point in time, I'm sure deals were being done. It's just that you have to have sound underwriting in order to be able to basically make your investors a good return. You should, as an operator, be one of those investors. So if you make your investors a good return, you make yourself a great return. And uh, those are how we, we have our own underwriting criteria that we use. And what I tell people is the difference about us and others is that before we got into this business, we were investors first, right? We had to, we had to, you know, figure out why it was that we were going to wire over a check for $50,000 to an opportunity. I'll tell you, my first deal were with an operator who's local to me and I had a hundred thousand dollar check. And we met in Panera Bread. We met in person because I wanted to see her face. And I can tell you, I handed the check over several times and I pulled it back just because at that point in time, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. But that was in 2018. That deal is right now under uh, is on on the market for sale. It's performed great since 2018. Right. So I'm expecting that we're going to be able to exit that and you know, roll those proceeds over into another opportunity. So we're investors first over here at Value Investment Partners. And, and that's the approach that we take it from. We don't take it from the operator approach first. We take it from the investor approach first. So one of the things that we are always looking to have is, oh, does it have a preferred return? Right? We love preferred returns. And typically walk past deals that don't have them. And that's just our criteria. You know, it, it's what has worked for us. We've exited about 10 different uh, opportunities 
at this point in time, right? So the last two years have been very rewarding to us and to the investors who have come along with us. So we're going to try to keep that track record going as uh, we, we go into this uh, recession and recovery, and, and hopefully that uh, we all win together. Yeah, I love the approach of investors first. Well put. Uh, so much you can learn from going into other people's syndications as a limited partner, limited partner, you're going to see how people operate the deal and you get to see the pain points too, right? You're going to see syndicators that don't communicate well and, and the troubles that that causes. So good, good, good approach. I actually started to invest in apartments before I did uh, passive investing, but I did, uh, I have invested passively before becoming a syndicator. So very, very highly, highly recommended. <laughs> well, a lot of people, when I first started, I didn't know how to get into, I didn't know all about this, right? So we were, we're in the uh, Northern Virginia region where it's a tier one. So right now things are trading, I would say at about 250 to $325,000 a door, right? That's not a place where a newbie can actually play. But prior to that, we were looking at Baltimore, we were looking at Fredericksburg, et cetera. We were looking to acquire an asset so that we could have the tax deductions that would be there from being an owner operator, et cetera. And we couldn't find a property that would pencil. So I, I found the Gene Tobridge's book. You know, it's a whole different business. Mm -hmm. And I read that book and that book opened up my eyes to understand, well, what is a syndication, right? I never knew that there was such thing as a syndication. And from that book, you know, learned more about it. And it's not a very, you know, uh, spicy read per se, right? It's boring. It's legal ease, blah, blah, blah. It's real lawyer language. It's like reading a contract. But that opened me up to then reading the best ever apartment syndication book by Joe Fairless. And that was that the that's the book of reference, right? On my Kindle, it's always there. Anytime I need to figure out something, that's the book that I go to. Right. But at that point in time when I started, I didn't know how to get in touch with an operator. So I was using Realty Shares, which is now defunct, to download and read PPMs and I read so I told when I first started out, I, I had told my mentor at that time that I had probably read about 50 PPMs. I would go on to Realty Shares. I would find a, a new investment. I would download the private placement memorandum and I would read it front to back. And I remember, you know, when I attended the best ever conference before I was talking to an operator and, you know, I I told her, wow, your, your PPM is very sophisticated, right? She had all of these different structures that were inside of it. And that was my entry into the business because an, opera, uh, an offering memorandum can say anything. It's the PPM where all of the details are buried and you have to understand well, what's going on inside of the PPM, which is probably between a hundred and 200 page document, but that is your that's how you get your phd in multifamily syndication is by reading ppms and knowing what's in there and that also lets you know how to ask the questions that are necessary of the operator to make sure that you're getting a good deal yeah i love it i sense a kindred spirit i love legal documents i have no legal background myself but 
I mean, really, that's the playbook, right? That is a. If you don't, if you don't read the OM for your own business or the PPM or even the OM for the uh, passive investments that you're going into, yeah, that's how things are going to run. So, you know. well, the thing is, if the operator does it isn't truthful, right, inside of the PPM, that's when they are at they're subject to probably getting an orange jumpsuit that has a number, right? on it right so they don't want to actually violate uh or become part of the bad boy clause of the s of, right. of the sec so they have to tell you all of the details there so i tell any new op any new uh, investor make sure that the ppm is read highlighted and that you've reached out to the operator they've addressed all of your questions and concerns right before you're moving into that investment because just hey people are different when they have your money versus when they don't right <laughs> so if they if they don't treat you well when you're asking questions and they're trying to get access to your funds they're definitely not going to treat you better once they have your funds great i love it yeah the appeal to human nature they're totally true 100 percent. and yeah here's another one if the uh if the numbers don't match in, in your PPM versus your slide deck. That's another thing, you know, many people just look through that slide deck and it's a great place to start, but yeah, don't stop. Don't stop at reading the slide deck. Yeah, no, that that's 50 pages and, you know, there's not going to be many words on it. So it's easy to go over the OM and not, and not get to the PPM. Yeah. So I, I say it doesn't stop there. Make sure you have a sound understanding of the PPM because those are that's how funds are going to get distributed, right? You have to understand return of capital versus return on capital because that's going to impact your overall investment and different things of that sort. You know, one of the things that I typically go to whenever I'm reading the PPM is the sources and uses. And I mm -hmm. also look at the fees and how the operator right. is going to be paying themselves and also how much they are putting into the deal themselves. Great. I love it. All outstanding things to look at. And I feel like we could talk all day just about what it takes to be a good limited partner, to make appropriate decisions, and to, to make sure you've really done your due diligence. I know they call it passive investing, but at least on the intake, it's very, very active. Mm -hmm. Now, I hate to do this, but I know that we've both got meetings at the top of the hour. So let's launch into the lightning round. Are you ready, Lee? I'm ready to go. All right, let's hit it. So tell us something about your real estate markets that most people wouldn't know. Well, all markets are different, right? Within every single MSA, there are going to be certain submarkets. Certain submarkets are doing well, certain other submarkets aren't doing. So what I say is select the MSA. Right. That, that's when you're narrowing down where you want to invest and then narrow down and focus and understand everything about the sub market so that you can then start reaching out to different brokers and property managers, boots on the ground so that they can understand how to find a good deal. Remember, at the top of the day, we're always looking for value. We have to be able to turn around and find some value where others don't see value. Love it. Rising tide lifts all boats. Looks like that rising tide may no longer be something we can rely on. So what is some advice that you would provide to your younger self? Well, to my younger self, I would say get into real estate earlier, right? 
also find you don't have to pay for a mentor. And this is one of the things that I love about the GOB network is that they're pushing out that you do not have to pay a mentor. I go back to the value of finding value or being able to bring value. So operators, they need all kinds of different things, uh, capital raisers and different things, people to do their underwriting, uh, boots on the ground. At some point, you can basically get that same education by finding someone who has already done what you want to do and bringing value into their lives. Don't just raise your hand and say, how can you help me? But the, the feedback should be, well, the question should be, uh, Mr. Operator, how is it that I can help you and bring value into your life? Yeah, beautiful advice. Just reach out. And on the capital raising front, I've never seen people so open to taking on co-GPs. Just, I'm not here to give legal advice. Just make yes. sure that you do manage the asset. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you're out there in the listening uh, or viewership uh, public, uh, because there are some serious legal, legal repercussions if you don't. All right. So what is the best real estate advice that you've ever received? Or, your, or what is the real estate advice that you'd like to uh, leave our listeners with? I would say, you know, you never have enough education in this particular space. You're always learning, right? Acquiring the deal kind of sort of is the easy part of the cycle, right? You have to execute that business plan over five years, three to five years is the typical duration, right? So you have to understand asset management and other pieces of, of it, right? So I would say to anyone who's looking to get into this business, you want to be in a position where you are learning constantly at all points in time. You're always learning. So that's what I would leave them with, that you always have to be learning. Love it. Sharpen the saw. Now yes, let's sir. follow it up with the worst real estate advice you've ever received. Or maybe if you could tell us about a misstep that you see people making that you'd like to help others avoid. Uh, Going with that person who says, trust me, <laughs> right? I always follow what the old man said, trust, but verify, right? So you have to do your own due diligence. I think that there's a quote out there that says a fool and his money is soon separated, <laughs> right? So you do not want to be on the fool side of that equation, right? <laughs> Read the PPM, learn about the operator, because it's going to be a relationship that extends for about three to five years. Get to know those people to make sure that you guys have the same values and, and operate on the same way. Beautiful and very profound. And from that, we're going to go to the more whimsical side of things. And I've got my deck of uh, magic questions here. So give a nod to the randomness in the universe. You can just tell me when to stop cutting the deck and we'll take whatever's on the top. Oh, that's a huge deck. But go ahead. Let's stop now. What, okay. what do we have? What's the biggest lie you told as a child? The biggest lie that I told as a child, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I, I, I wanted to be a firefighter or a police officer. I don't know. I, 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 when, I, when I went to university, I took a test and it told me that I would be good at either chemical engineering or computer science. And mm -hmm. that's how I started out my career. But, you know, I, I guess as a child, we all have those little fantasies and I wouldn't necessarily call it a lie. It's just that I'll, one of the things that I'm trying to teach people again is the fact that when we were in our youth, our dream circles were this big. Mm. But as we get older, our dream circles seem to get smaller, right? Mm. 
I want to impress upon people that they can actually dream big again, right? So this is all possible via real estate. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. And my goal and passion in life is having conversations with others who don't believe that it is possible and showing them that it is possible. Awesome. And can you name a book that has helped to forge you as a leader and as an entrepreneur and why? Well, as a leader, right, um, The Five Dysfunctions of Teams hmm. has helped as a leader. But I've also built my leadership prowess off of good to great, right? You have to have the right people on the team in order to achieve the objective that you want to achieve. So good to great. When it comes to real estate investing, I've already mentioned the book and I'll mention again, the best ever apartment syndication book by Joe Fairless is one that I always have on my deck, but also as I learned the business best in class, which is uh, an asset management book, because that's going to be critical to execute in the business plan. Awesome. Set us out with a quote to help forge our listeners as leaders and entrepreneurs. I would leave you with the uh, Napoleon Hill. Could I leave you with two? Napoleon Hill always says anything that the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve, right? I have a quote right behind me. Think you can, think you can, you're right. But one that I, a book that I want to leave you with, because I'm always reading and looking to learn is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And, you know, he says, you do not fail you rise to the level of your systems, right? And it's all about systems and you have to build out the habits and things of that sort, right? You do not fail to the left. You do not fail. You rise to the level of your systems is the quote. I have it on one of my emails, et cetera, but it is there. And, and, it, and, it, and it has a lot of meaning when you think about the discipline that you need to in, in, enforce if you're going to uh, do anything in life, right? Right. Anything that you're going to do in life that is worthwhile and doing, right? You have to have discipline and consistency in order to do it. I just pulled up my email. It says here, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. So James Clear is out there. That's a book that I always have. I've, I've read it a couple of times at this point in time. And you know, there I've read so many great books that, you know, I'm now reading those great books multiple times over. Outstanding advice. Leaders are readers. And I think I see some uh, work ahead for me on my reading list. I want to thank you, Lee, for coming to talk to our audience today. Just if you would send us out with where our listeners and viewers can reach you. You can always find us on LinkedIn. Uh, I've always been a professional for the last 24 years, and LinkedIn is my go-to platform. Uh, I am Passive REI Pros, right? Passive REI Pros. And you can always find us on our website, valueinvestmentpartners.com. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to talk to our audience today. George, uh, it was a pleasure and, and hopefully you, I, I did a good job and I'll be offered an opportunity to return. Oh, sounds amazing. You bet. Thank, Thank you, you, sir.